Thank you for listening to BV Unmuted. I'm Christy McNerland, Chief Communications Officer with Blue Valley Schools. We're coming to you with the second of three podcasts about a mail-in bond election in January of 2023. Projects in the bond fall into three primary categories, uh, facilities, safety, and technology. In an earlier podcast, we heard general details about facilities projects included in the no tax rate increase bond. And yes, you heard me correct, no tax rate increase. But in this episode, we're going to talk about the projects that would invest in the safety of our schools, something very important and something I know that our viewers will want to learn more about. And in order to do that, we have a special guest with us today. Director of Safety and Security, Dan Carney, is in the house and he is the best of the best with many years of experience. How many years of experience do you have, Dan? Well, here at Blue Valley, this, I'm going into my 12th year here as the Director of Safety and Security. But before that, I retired from the Overland Park Police Department after 26 years there. How blessed that we were able to have you come over and help uh, the district out. Tell us a little bit about what the role is of a, a safety and security um, leader for a school district this size. Well... When I, when I arrived uh, 11 and a half years ago, I really didn't know for sure. I, uh, my predecessor, an awfully nice person named Dennis McCarthy, was briefing me and kind of helped me. Yeah, he helped me sort of uh, get acclimated to it. But I think um, I, I always say that, that our department is operationally concerned with the safety of students, staff, and visitors every day that we work. That's our, that's our primary focus. We never stop looking for ways to improve. You know, I've done, um, recently done a lot of, uh, attended a lot of PTO meetings, and um, I tell parents that we continue to try to minimize risk when it comes to uh, their, their children's safety in schools. And even though we know we can never reach zero risk. We can't get there, but we do our best every day to try to get there. And we're going to continue to try to get there. We never stop. We never say, hey, we've, we've done it. We're good now. We just don't say that. We're never, we're never going to stop as long as, as long as I'm here, as long as there's a safety and security department. Yeah, and there will be because uh you're such a valued member of Blue Valley School District's team. And I know there's there's two in particular things that I want you to talk about because I've heard you um, many times talk about the philosophy of school safety, your philosophy that I, I think you also referenced, your predecessor who kind of had the same philosophy. And um, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, Dennis really did inaugurate that um called a strategy or a philosophy that he brought with him from the Secret Service where he used to work um, and he retired from. Um, and, and initially the strategy was to identify, assess, and manage kids who might be on a path to violence. With his help, we sort of expanded that to say, well, we, we're going to have a difficult time identifying those kids if we don't have trusted adult relationships with those kids. In other words, if we have schools where... There is a, uh, this is going to be a little extreme, but a guards and prisoners kind of relationships in the school, then you're not going to hear from the kids. The kids aren't going to tell you anything. Um, So the idea is to build positive, trusted adult relationships with kids so when they're hurting, when there's something going on with them, 
that's unsafe or they know of someone who maybe is, again, on a path to violence in one way or another, they'll come and tell us. They'll tell someone. They'll tell some adult uh, what's happening. And that's been the big, um, if you want to call it the big hole in the, in the process over the years when it comes to school shootings. And the data shows that, that um, um, students oftentimes knew about um, other students who were on a path to violence, who were planning, who were working towards a day when they would come in and hurt other children or other or staff members, and they didn't tell anyone. They didn't, well, I say they didn't tell anyone. They, didn't t- they may have told each other. They didn't tell an adult. Mm-hmm. So we need to bridge that gap. And we work hard at creating culture, a culture in our schools uh, where there is no gap, where kids do have someone they can talk to. And I think we have the kind of staff that embrace that philosophy. Uh, relationships are such a big part of um, their work in many areas, but definitely um, when it comes to um, safety as well. You know, one of the things you um, mentioned I want to dig a little deeper on is you talked about we never stop trying to reduce risk. Um, I've heard you talk about this this layered approach. Um, Help me understand exactly what you mean when you talk about a layered approach to addressing safety. Well, you know, I don't want to pick on the news, the media, but oftentimes if you see a story on the news about uh, a district that's doing something new in terms of safety, it oftentimes is something physical. And I think that's makes sense because they can point a camera at it, they can talk about it, it's something you can see. But the physical security is really only one aspect and may and, and really in in my mind not the most important aspect in a good security, safety and security strategy for a school district. Um, there's many parts. There's this infrastructure, for example, that is not a it's not a security system necessarily. It's not cameras, card access, things like that, but it's doors, windows, locks, those sorts of things. Uh, All physical, yes, but kind of different nature to them. Um, There's also protocol and strategies with protocol. There's what we just mentioned. There's uh, maybe the most important, there's people. And uh, whether those are police officers and, and event security people, or whether it's just all of us, who are, again, are participating in building relationships with students um, so that we open up lines of communication. So there's all of those things working in a in good, logical concert, and all of them implemented after really looking at historical data so that they make sense. It, it would be pretty easy to just reach out and grab the next shiny object that comes along that says that, uh, you know, it's going to help us with security. But we have to make sure, we have to ask the question before we implement anything, is what problem will this solve? And uh, a lot of times um, there's security things out there that really don't stand up to that question because they really don't solve a problem. So um, we try to make all those things work together, put them together like a puzzle so that they offer the best protection for our students and staff. I love that. You know, I... I promise we're going to get to bond projects, um, the 2023 bond projects, but I think it's really important for our viewers to hear this background um, information so that you understand a little more about the big picture and not focus on just the the components of the, the bond because this has been building for a long time. We always are thinking about safety, as you mentioned, as part of 
um, our bond elections of the past. Um, talk to me a little bit about some of the, the past uses of bond dollars for safety. Boy, you know, I, um, it's funny you mentioned that because it was just a couple of weeks ago after I had done a couple of PTO meetings that I, I started asking myself that question. So what's changed in the last 10 years when it comes to um, uh, upgrading or, or maybe reducing risk? What have we done? And uh, then, and, and kind of with an eye on the bond um, elections over the years. And I started sort of typing out a list and I filled a page pretty quickly without thinking too hard about it. But um, first thing that happened when I came here is we had three playgrounds that burned up. And it was a 4th of July weekend. I and, I, and I came to work uh, for the first time after the 4th of July weekend. And um, over the next... I can't remember, three or four or five months, uh, we really looked at that problem. And with the help of bond funding, we changed every playground in the district uh, to a surface that is safer, um, that is not flammable. You can can hold a lighter to anything and burn a hole in it maybe, but it's not going to catch fire the way those old playgrounds did. And we we put motion lighting on those playgrounds. we put cameras on the playgrounds, and um, so that was one of the first chances I had to really see bond money go to work in a really substantial and effective way. And I remember thinking, if we never do anything else, I'm always going to feel great about that, that mm-hmm. we did that, because it was such a nice change. Um, and and it solved a problem, like you said. Really That's- did. Really solved, really solved a problem for us big time. But then you go to things like the pinch point entrances. We we did major constructive surgery on our schools to create a pinch point entrance where when people come to a building, they were forced into an office. You know, I reminded parents the other night that when I first came to work here, um, you could walk right into a school. Front doors were open. The secondary set of doors were open. And you could walk right into a school building. Things were a little different then, I think. In a perfect and world, that's that's the kind of it would be fantastic. world we want to live in, but that's it, not reality. Yes. So we, we made those changes, and then we eventually got around to deciding that the buildings really just need to be secure, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And we went to an um, intercom system, buzzer system. We replaced all of the... Uh, old analog cameras with IP cameras, real state-of-the-art, up-to-date stuff, and just kept kind of improving step-by-step step. with the help of those bond dollars. We're able to, we've been able to do, just do some tremendous things, tremendous changes. Now, some of the changes you know, don't require any money if, mm-hmm. they're, if it's a procedural change or right. something like that. But inevitably, you run into something, whether it's, you know, I remember thinking, gosh, it would be nice to have those interior thumb-turned door locks on the classroom doors because I'd heard so many teachers talk about having to step out into the hallway and put a key in their door lock, lock it, and pull the door shut in order to get into a lockdown status. And I thought, well, it sure would be nice. And, of course, not having a background in construction doors and locks and so on, I had no idea <laughs> Heavy price tag, just huh? how much money... <laughs> when you start multiplying by the number of classroom doors in the district. Um, but we pulled it off, and I, I think it was, it's a wonderful change. It's a, it changes the, changes the teacher's ability to quickly and, and efficiently lock a door and know that it's locked because of that visual indicator that we've got on there now. So 
And then the most recent one, I, I want to talk about this product called Syntegics because it was also 2020 bond dollars, yeah. and it seems to me like to be like a game changer. Yeah, I like that word for it because I think that's that's accurate. And and you know, I mentioned earlier how when we we make a decision to go forward with something, we look at historical data. And historical data would show that in every mass school shooting, there have been communication issues. And, and uh, typically, we know that these events, these horrific events, occur very quickly. There's not a lot of time to get into a lockdown to, to you know, protect everyone. And so the faster we can communicate you know, that, that um, action... The, the better off we're going to be. And, and so with this new um, crisis alert system that's brought to us by Centegics, every employee in the district will be empowered to put a building into a lockdown lights out, and they'll do it with a push of a button. looks like an ID badge but would, that they would have on their person and be able to, with, uh, by pushing the, buttons on that, pushing the button on that card, be able to put a building into a lockdown in a matter of seconds. And... Um, that that's a game changer. I don't think there's any question about it because of the, all those communication issues that come into play in a situation like that. Once again, that's thanks to our um, community who supports these bond elections um, that allow us to be able to do those types of, of um, make those security enhancements. Yeah. And I think that kind of leads us a little bit. And by the way, I'm going to have you back for a separate po- podcast that we're just going to talk about that new product, Centegics, and how um, that's going to help our staff and our communication systems when it comes to emergencies. And I think we can do a whole podcast on that alone. So will you come back? That sounds good. Yeah, let's okay, do that. That'd good. be great. All right. For now, I think let's talk about the uh, 2023 bond election and the safety components that are in that. Um, give us a highlight. Well, we've talked about um, continuing to enhance our communication uh, capabilities um, in the in the district, and one of the things that I've tried to do is to uh, be kind of a champion of redundancy when it comes to communication, because we know that things can fail. You know, you've probably heard that in a in a major catastrophe, that trying to make a cell phone call, for example, can be a real problem because the tower gets overloaded. I don't know how that works, by the way, but. <laughs> They say it happens. Um, so I've thought, I, uh, along the way, I've thought it, it's good to have redundancy. Someone might say, well, you, you have portable, some portable radios out there, so you don't need uh, something else. Well, no, we, it's good to have redundancy in communication. If one fails, you have the other. And, and, I, and I, by the way, I've always been a fan of portable radios because they're immediate, they're quick, and we have, we have a lot of portable radios out there, but... Um, I've want, for a long time, I've wanted to put a portable radio in the hand and on the desk of every teacher in the district, and this is uh, one of those things that would allow us to do that. I, you know, we say when teachers take uh, kids out for PE or for recess, we want them to have a portable radio. I want them to have their own that sits on their desk, charges up, and when they walk out the door, they can clip it on their belt or take it with them. And they're not cheap because they're, we don't buy cheap radios. We buy radios that we know will work. And but be it's effective. another layer, right? It you is another. It's layers. another layer. It's another layer. So, um, uh, those kinds of things are, I think, um, they're critical. All right. Talk to me a little bit about. I think intercom systems was something else um, we're seeing on the bond list. How does a school? How does that relate to school safety? It's not just the daily announcements, right? Right. That's right. 
That's right. And our, our intercom systems, um, and, and by the way, I think this is sort of to the credit of, of uh, our, our design and construction people that have built these buildings over the years, that we really try hard to be fiscally responsible when it comes to purchasing systems. And so we try to use them to the end of their useful life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we didn't put PA systems in schools and then say, in two years, we're going to pull them out and put new ones in. We, we really try to use them a- until, it's, until it's time to replace them. And, and uh, consequently, we do have some systems out there that are pretty old. And we also have... Um, systems that at times can be difficult to hear, maybe because of a part of the building you're in, and we know we need to sort of go out and remediate those things. So that's all included in this. But I think just bringing those up to date probably is um, is a pretty important thing to do. We don't want failures on the intercom system. We also don't want to have single broadcast points for them. We'd rather be able to broadcast from anywhere in the building because bad things can happen in different Anywhere. parts of a building, whether Absolutely. it's a medical problem or whether you have a fight or something like that. They can happen in different parts of the building. So that that upgrade could really, really be important. Um, I can't emphasize enough this, this emergency communications is so important. Getting help to where you need it as fast as you possibly can. And that's what we're after here. Again, minimizing, reducing risk, lowering the risk. The faster we get help to somebody, the better chance we have of helping them if they're having medical problems, stopping a fight, stopping some other kind of problem, you know, any kind of violent behavior, um, we're better off. And I'm seeing there uh, some other things that are pretty standard, I think, but fire alarms, um, that's something that's included in this bond. Um, anything about any of those other things that are, that yeah. are projects? Well, it, it may be, you know, maybe if I, if I say much about the fire alarms, it would it, it might be like stating the obvious, and right. I don't. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to come across as patronizing. But obviously, yeah. we want our fire alarms to work every single time. We don't want any failures there. And and it's it's funny how fast time moves. You put in a system, and it's funny how ten years has gone before you know it. And it it needs new stuff to make it run better. And um, I think that the again the design and construction folks, the facilities folks, have identified some weaknesses in those systems, and and um, you know let's have I, I want those to be state of the art. We just we just don't need any mistakes or errors when it comes to these these systems. I think that's um, going to bring us to a close. You have been absolutely um, amazing to talk to. The work that you do is amazing and appreciated. I know that I hear from our PTO and our, our parents out there when you visit. You know, after they hear you talk, there's a sense of, you know, extra security to know that someone's really paying attention to these kind of details and thinks about safety and, and from so many different directions. So, Yeah, you know. I, um, I, I know after going to a lot of these PTO meetings, which have been at elementary schools, that, you know, I'll mention to them that I have a granddaughter now, you know, and it makes me really think about, how you know you know how that kind of draws your attention yeah. to to something when you see that little one running around and how much you care about them that you want the I mean you it just hits you we've got these schools have to be safe I so want, it's I really important to the viewers that 
we get to see pictures of that cute little grandchild of yours every time we're around you. I have shown a couple of pictures. <laughs> yes, you have. Yeah. And the way she giggles is the way we hope um, uh, it is wonderful. for everyone. She is sweet. Yeah. But uh, thank you, Dan, for um, you know helping our viewers understand more about Bond 2023 and just how Bond dollars have helped support security enhancements over the years. Um, in our next episode, we'll learn more about the technology projects that are included in Bond 2023. And listeners can learn more about Bond 2023 by visiting www.bluevalleyk12.org slash bond. We have a webpage dedicated to our bond. You can see projects by school and also have some other opportunities for you to learn about the bond coming up. Be sure to check out our video. We have a complete video on the front page of our um, bond website that really kind of summarizes the bond as a whole. I would encourage all listeners to take a look at that. And what we need you to do is make sure that you're a registered voter. And then please remember to vote. The bond election is at the end of January. Ballots are due January 31st by noon. If you're a registered voter, you will automatically receive a mail ballot. You don't have to register separate for this election. If you're just a registered voter, you'll automatically get it. All you have to do is cast your vote and then mail it back in. So it's as uh, simple as that. So we'd appreciate making sure we have as many people voting as possible. And we'll catch you next time to talk about technology. Thanks again, Dan Carney, for joining us today. You're welcome.